0: Welcome to Quincy Market in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. Mm. (laughs)
1: Boston.
0: (laughs) City of dreams.
1: Here's a question. What's the best thing that's ever happened to you in Boston?
0: Oh, boy. What's like the best time you've
1: ever had in Boston? I mean,
0: probably one of the Chapo shows we did in Boston. That was pretty good. Okay. Uh, Where we played directly after "Whose Line Is It Anyway," uh, and Greg Proops was walking through the back of the theater and uh, saw me walking through, trying to get things set up for the show, and just did finger guns at me and was like, "Hey, daddy-o.
1: Improv comedy. <laughs>
0: that was uh, that was probably the the funniest
1: thing that's happened to me in Boston. Boston has so much potential. You know what I mean? Like it is I think it is kind of like cute and beautiful. It's on the it's on the coast. Coast, You got the water. It's colonial. You ever had like a cannoli in the north end? Like it's got that oh yeah, it's got like the like deep Italian shit. The like Jamaica, like if you go like the Jamaica Plain, am I getting that right? That isn't that New York? No, there's there's a like this the Boston like immediate like suburby parts okay. are really nice and like quiet and chill. It's just I don't know, there's just a vibe. <laughs> there's off. just a vibe. Uh, <laughs> Is it the cold New England winter that just like fucks you in the ass?
0: Yeah. And all also all the Bostonians. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, apologies to our our Boston uh listeners. Um the my other favorite thing the thing that i immediately think of when i think of boston is of course i went to boston of course i did the revolutionary trail where they like walk you through the freedom trail the freedom trail yeah. and see all the shit and the funniest fucking thing on the freedom trail is seeing john hancock cox's gravestone and seeing the emblem that he made the the the, the crest that he designed for his own family which is a picture of a hand with a rooster on top of it <laughs> you get it. That's
1: bo- that's boss shit right there. Yeah, that is boss shit. I love and that, that.
0: That image is that right at the top of his tombstone. That's neat. that's very funny. Did I share well, this? Just, just colonial humor.
1: Did I share my Freedom Trail disaster on Mike? I can't remember if I did. No. I'm from Burlington, Vermont, a four hour drive from Boston. Uh, in fifth grade, every year, all three of our fifth grade classes in our elementary school combined forces and traveled together on what was known colloquially as the Boston trip. The Boston trip, and the Boston trip included uh, uh, some preparatory educational experience, including we, you had a stop on the Freedom Trail that you would have to give the the, 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 spiel, tour, for. the spiel for, like, and that was like a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. you got your assignment and you prepped and like you you know printed it out and whatever. But it was raining so hard and bad on the day we were supposed to do it that lo- we were already it was like the last thing to do on the itinerary as well mm-hmm. so we were like okay let's just pack it up and we took the like coach bus to a mall outside of boston <laughs> and we gave our freedom trail presentations did, like, in a, f- in a mall did, like the food court and then we went to the rainforest cafe
0: oh uh, that that rocks it was it was pretty lit. I'd love to learn about Colonial America and but the Forest Cafe. But I
1: missed the Freedom Trail. I never got to. I never got to do it. It's alright,
0: especially if you could do one of the tours where like somebody's dressed
1: up as like a Minute Man or something. The craziest thing about that trip to Boston was that we slept in a church. It was like incredibly <laughs> low budget. Like it was very, it was, very very, it, was it, it was very public school. But like it, the, it, was kind of exciting. Have you ever slept in a church? No. I mean, it wasn't Catholic, so it's not not like super it's not a real, a real church. It's not a real church, but. Anyway.
0: Anyway, we're watching a f- uh, 4K tour of Boston footage while we were doing the reading. And it's
1: day. a beautiful day in this video. In this they video, picked yes. a great day. Uh
0: hello, welcome to Infinite Cast, a podcast about the book Infinite Jest. Mm-hmm. Uh let's get into it.
1: Let's get into it. This is a um we're kind of in like a I mean the whole thing is dark a little bit, but just sort of an yeah. extended kind of uh me- meditation on how hard it is to be a human being. Yes, sure. Let's go. Uh if by the virtue of charity or the circumstance of desperation you ever chance to spend a little time around a substance recovery halfway facility, like Enfield, Massachusetts, state-funded Ennett House, you will acquire many exotic new facts. You will find out that once uh, Massachusetts Department of Social Services has taken a mother's children away for any period of time, they can always take them away again, DSS, like at will, empowered by nothing more than a certain signature stamped form i.e. once deemed unfit, no matter why or when or what's transpired in the meantime, there's nothing a mother can do. Or, for instance, that people addicted to a substance who abruptly stop ingesting the substance often suffer wicked papular acne, often for months afterwards, as the accumulations of substance slowly leave the body. The staff will inform you that this is because the skin is actually the body's biggest excretory organ, Or that chronic alcoholics' hearts are, for reasons no MD has been able to explain, swollen to nearly twice the size of civilians' human hearts, (laughs) and they never again return to normal size. I need a fact check on that. Uh, That there's a certain type of person who carries a picture of their therapist in their wallet. (laughs) That, both a relief and kind of an odd letdown, black penises tend to be the same general size as white penises on the whole. Come on, David. That not all U.S. males are circumcised. That you can cop a sort of thin, jittery, amphetamenic buzz if you rapidly consume three millennial fizzies and a whole Mm -hmm. package of Oreo cookies on an empty stomach. (laughs) Keeping it down is required, however, for the buzz, which senior residents often neglect to tell newer residents. I really want a millennial fizzy. Uh, Me too. We should try to make a a cocktail called the millennial fizzy. Uh, That the chilling Hispanic term for whatever interior disorder drives the addict back again and again to the enslaving substance is tecato gusano, which apparently connotes some kind of interior psychic worm that cannot be sated or killed.
0: The interior psychic worm.
1: Uh, That black and Hispanic people can be as big or bigger racist than white people, and then can get even more hostile and unpleasant when this realization seems to surprise you. (laughs) Hmm. That it is possible in sleep for some roommates to secure a cigarette from their bedside pack, light it, smoke it down to the quick, and then extinguish it in their bedside ashtray without once waking up and without setting anything on fire you will be informed that this skill is usually acquired in penal institutions, which will lower your inclination to complain about the practice, (laughs) or that even Flint's industrial-strength expandable foam earplugs do not solve the problem of a snoring roommate if the roommate in question is so huge and so adenoidal that the snores in question also produce subsonic vibrations that arpeggio up and down your body and make your bunk jiggle like a motel bed you've put a quarter in. (laughs) "...that females are capable of being just as vulgar about sexual and eliminatory functions as males, that over 60% of all persons arrested for drug and alcohol-related offenses report being sexually abused as children, with two-thirds of the remaining 40% reporting that they cannot remember their childhoods in sufficient detail to report one way or the other on abuse." That you can weave hypnotic Madame Psychosis like harmonies around the minor D scream of a cheap vacuum cleaner, humming to yourself as you vacuum. If that's your chore, I do. I do this. Sometimes. I like when there's a note yeah. in life. Mm. 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 That some people really do look like rodents. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That some drug addicted prostitutes have a harder time giving up prostitution than they have giving up drugs with their explanation involving the two habits, very different directions of currency flow. (laughs) That there are just as many idioms for the female sex organ as there are for the male sex organ. That a little-mentioned paradox of substance addiction is that once you are sufficiently enslaved by a substance to need to quit the substance in order to save your life, that the enslaving substance has become so deeply important to you that you will all but lose your mind when it is taken away from you. Or that sometime after your substance of choice has just been taken away from you in order to save your life as you hunker down for required a.m. and p.m. prayers, you will find yourself beginning to pray to be allowed literally to lose your mind, to be able to wrap your mind in an old newspaper or something and leave it in an alley to shift for itself without you. That in Metro Boston, the idiom of choice for the male sex organ is unit. Which is why Ennett House residents are wryly amused by EMPH Hospital's designation of its campus's buildings. <laughs> that certain persons simply will not like you no matter what you do. That most non addicted adult civ- civilians have already absorbed, the, uh, then that most non addicted adult civilians have already absorbed and accepted that this fact, often rather early on. <laughs> not me. <laughs> not that no matter how smart you thought you were, you were actually way less smart than that. That A.A. and N.A. and C.A.'s, God, does not apparently require that you believe in him slash her slash it before he slash she slash it will help you. Which takes us to end note. 69. Nice. nice. N.A. Narcotics Anonymous. C.A. Cocaine Anonymous. Great title for a band. Cocaine Anonymous. Uh, in, or, you know what, maybe an album. Yeah. In some cities, there are also psychedelics anonymous, nicotine anonymous, also confusingly called NA, uh, designer drugs anonymous, steroids anonymous, even especially in and around Manhattan, something called Prozac anonymous. <laughs> in none of these anonymous fellowships anywhere is it possible to avoid confronting the God stuff eventually. They loved, God, Prozac in the mid-90s. Yes, people were people freaking were out. About that. And now, people were going nuts. When was the last nuts. time you actually heard somebody talk about
0: Prozac? What, what is the antidepressant of choice now?
1: I feel like Zoloft. Zoloft. Wellbutrin.
0: Welbutrin. Yeah. 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 Is, it, is Prozac,
1: Prozac is an SSRI or is an that? MAOI. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, I feel like Prozac is... is I, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't f- fuck with depressants. Not that there's anything... You don't fuck, fuck with depressants? Antidepressants. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that. Uh, but... I feel like Prozac is like maybe an outmoded type of antidepressant.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Now it's we're changed. on some like new shit. It's changed over time, but I feel I don't know how much they're inventing like new ones. I'm yeah. I'm not well versed personally either. Yeah. Um. But yeah, in the mid '90s, people were just like being like, "Oh my god, everyone's on Prozac." Prozac Nation, baby. They're like that. That's probably just capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: well, it's very, it's very uh, uh, new drug. N- yo, new drug drop.
1: Uh, waves around at everything around you. Uh, Wouldn't you be depressed as well? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Um, uh, That uh, pache macho bullshit, public male weeping is not only plenty masculine, but can actually feel good, reportedly. That sharing means talking, and taking somebody's inventory means criticizing that person, plus many additional pieces of recovery speak. That an important part of halfway house human immunovirus prevention is not leaving your razor or toothbrush in communal bathrooms. Sure. Toothbrush, all right. That apparently a seasoned prostitute can, reportedly, apply a condom to a u- customer's unit so deftly he doesn't doesn't even know it's on until he's history, so to speak. <laughs> that a double-layered steel portable strongbox with tri-tumblered lock for your razor and toothbrush can be fa- had for under 35 U.S., 3850 onan via home net hardware and that pat m or the house manager will let you use the back office's old tp to order one if you put up a sustained enough squawk (laughs) that over 50 percent of persons with a substance addiction suffer from some other recognized form of psychiatric disorder too that some male prostitutes become so accustomed to enemas that they cannot have valid bowel movements without them that a majority of Ennett House residents have at least one tattoo. That the significance of this datum is unanalyzable. <laughs> <laughs> that the Metro Boston street term for not having any money is sporting lint. <laughs> that what else... I'm sporting lint, uh, lint today, man. That what else, were, what else was known as informing or squealing or narking or ratting or ratting out... Is on the streets of metro Boston known as eating cheese, presumably spun off from the associative nexus of rat. Yes, makes sense. That nose, tongue, lip, and eyelid rings rarely require actual penetrative piercing. This is because of the wide variety of clip on rings available. That nipple rings do require piercing. And that clitoris and glands rings are not things anyone thinks you really want to know the facts about. <laughs> That sleeping can be a form of an emotional escape and can, with sustained effort, be abused. That female, ch- <laughs> yeah. That female Chicanos are not called Chicanas. That it costs two hundred twenty-five dollars U.S. to get a Massachusetts driver's license with your picture but not your name. That purposeful sleep deprivation can also be an abusable escape. That gambling can be an abusable escape too and work, shopping, and shoplifting, and sex, and abstention, and masturbation, and food, and exercise, and meditation slash prayer, and sitting so close to Ennett House's old D-E-C-T-P cartridge viewer that the screen fills your whole vision and the screen's static charge tickles your nose like a linty mitten.
0: Takes us to anything can be a drug if you put your mind to it.
1: Anything, Anything is abusable if you devote your entire life to it. Um and <laughs> note seventy takes us to not to mention, according to some hardline schools of twelve step thought, yoga, reading, politics, gum chewing, crossword puzzles, solitaire, romantic intrigue, charity work, political activism, NRA membership, music, <laughs> art, cleaning, plastic surgery, cartridge viewing even at normal distances. The loyalty of a fine dog, (laughs) religious zeal, relentless helpfulness, (laughs) relentless other folks moral inventory taking, the development of hardline uh, schools of 12-step thought, ad darn near infinitum, including 12-step fellowships themselves, such that quiet tales sometimes go around the Boston AA community of certain uh, incredibly advanced and hardline recovering persons who have paired away. Uh, potential escape after potential escape until finally, as the stories go, they end up sitting in a bare chair, nude, in an unfurnished room, not moving, but also not sleeping or meditating or abstracting, too advanced to stomach the thought of the potential emotional escape of doing anything whatsoever and just end up sitting there completely motion and escapeless until a long time later, all that's found in the empty chair is a very fine dusting of off-white, ashy stuff that you can wipe away completely with, like, one damp paper towel. Wow.
0: He's very, he's very into uh, people sitting motionlessly in chairs in these two chapters.
1: Right, exactly. Um, sorry. Back. That you do not have to like a person in order to learn from him slash her slash it. Okay. That loneliness is not a function of solitude. That it is possible to get so angry you really do see everything red. (laughs) What a Texas catheter is. That some people really do steal. Will steal things that are yours. (laughs) That a lot of U.S. adults truly cannot read. Not even a ROM hypertext phonics thing with help functions for every word. That clicky alliance and exclusion and gossip can be forms of escape. That logical validity is not a guarantee of truth. That evil people never believe they are evil, but rather that everyone else is evil. Mm. That it is possible to learn valuable things from a stupid person. That it takes effort to pay attention to any one stimulus for more than a few seconds. Mm. That you can all of a sudden, out of nowhere, want to get high with your substance so bad that you think you will surely die if you don't and but can just sit there with your hands writhing in your lap and face wet with craving can want to get high but instead just sit there wanting to but not if that makes sense and if you can gut it out and not hit the substance during the craving the craving will eventually pass it will go away at least for a while that it is statistically easier for low iq people to kick an addiction than it is for high iq people That the Metro Boston street term for panhandling is stemming and that it is regarded by some as a craft or art and that professional stem artists actually have little like professional colloquia sometimes, little conventions (laughs) in parks or public transport hubs at night where they get together and network and exchange feedback on trends and techniques and public relations, etc. That it is possible to abuse OTC cold and allergy remedies in an addictive manner. That NyQuil is over 50 proof. That boring activities become, perversely, much less boring if you concentrate intently on them. That if enough people in a silent room are drinking coffee, it is possible to make out the sound of steam coming off the coffee. That sometimes human beings have to just sit in one place and, like, hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That you will become way less concerned with what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. That there is such a thing as raw, unalloyed, kindless kindness. kindness. That it is possible to fall asleep during an anxiety attack. <laughs> <laughs> that concentrating intently on anything is very hard work. That addiction is either a disease or a mental illness or a spiritual condition, as in poor of spirit, or an OCD-like disorder, or an affective or character disorder, And that over 75% of the veteran Boston AAs who want to convince you that it is a disease will make you sit down and watch them write disease on a piece of paper (laughs) and then divide it uh, and hyphenate the word so that it becomes dis-ease. Then we'll stare at you as if expecting you to undergo some kind of blinding epiphanic realization (laughs) when really, as G Day points tirelessly out to his counselor... Changing disease to dis-ease reduces a definition and an explanation down to a simple description of a feeling, and rather a whiny, insipid one at that. Uh That most substance-addicted people are also addicted to thinking, meaning they have a compulsive and unhealthy relationship with their own thinking. That the cute Boston AA term for addictive-type thinking is analysis paralysis. That cats will in fact get violent diarrhea if you feed them milk, contrary to the popular image of cats and milk. (laughs) that it is simply more pleasant to be happy than to be pissed off that 99% of compulsive thinkers thinking is about themselves that 99% of this self-directed thinking consists of imagining and then getting ready for things that are going to happen to them. And then weirdly that if they stop to think about it, that 100% of the things they spend 99% of their time and energy imagining and trying to prepare for all of the contingencies and consequences of are never good (laughs) That this connects, interestingly, with the early sobriety urge to pray for the literal loss of one's mind.
0: Wait, can I, I pause for a second? Yeah. Uh, just on this video of, Bo- of a guy walking through Boston that we're watching. He's a, at Bunker Hill right now. And I mm-hmm. just saw a, a guy in a socks hat uh, walk directly past Bunker Hill with two huge cases of Sam Sam Adams. And that just felt, uh, That's Boston, that baby. felt re- appropriate. That guy's going to have a great day. That guy's going to have a great day. I hope he
1: had a great day. Um, in short, that 99% of the head's thinking activity consists of trying to scare the ever-living shit out of itself. <laughs> that it is possible to make rather tasty poached eggs in a microwave oven. That the metro street term for really quite wonderful is pisser. <laughs> that everybody piss- sneeze. going to have a piss a day. Piss a day. That everybody sneeze sounds different. That some people's moms never taught them to cover up or turn away when they sneeze. That no one who has been to prison is ever the same again. That you do not have to have sex with a person to get crabs from them. <laughs> that a clean room feels better to be in than a dirty room. That the people to be most frightened of are the people who are the most frightened. That's very a uh, Baywatch. Yes. Uh, you can't. You, you gotta. Uh, you don't. You don't want to get dragged under by someone who's flailing in the yeah, water. Exactly. You gotta hold on to your floaty. Yes. <laughs> Uh, David Foster Wallace probably watched Baywatch, right? He probably
0: hated himself for watching Baywatch, but probably watched a bunch of it. He it's hypnotic. Sat, he just sat there. So we have a channel on our TV that like came with it, like with our Samsung smart TV that just plays... <laughs> so smart. <laughs> that just plays Baywatch 24 hours a day. And for whatever reason, whenever we turn on the TV, that it is default set to Baywatch. So we've been watching a lot of Baywatch. And it is... Hypnotic.
1: It's amazing the stunts that they do the in every episode. Do. Everyone's like hot, but they're not. I mean, have we have we said this before? That like you think that Baywatch is going to be all Just Pamela like Anderson, hundred percent
0: of slow motion shots of Pamela Anderson running, and it's remarkably
1: unexploited. It's mostly about like David Hasselhoff, like, like relating to his own like masculinity <laughs> and like physical abilities, and yeah, like like it's training a, lifeguards and like
0: dealing with kids with chips on their shoulder,
1: like yeah, and like questions of like honor and like uh. You yeah. Yeah. know dignity and uh, yeah. and uh um, vocation it's yes. a w- <laughs> jet skis jet ski. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a great show. Ten out of ten.
1: Recommend. Recommend Baywatch. it. And, and I you can yeah, track down I bet, some Baywatch apps. I bet. I, there's no way to prove it, but I bet David Foster Wallace was maybe a regular watcher of Baywatch, I, and maybe that was the reason why he felt so disgusted with himself for being so interested in television.
0: Yeah, I could just imagine him sitting there, like eating like microwave soup or something, just watching Baywatch and seething to himself. like, being why? like why, why, why do I, do I do like this? this? Why, why do, do I, I like this so much? Why? Why am I here? Why am I watching my third episode of Baywatch tonight? Hey, there watching
1: be, watching cartridges even even from yeah. a reasonable distance can still be uh, a an, yeah. an escape. Uh, that it takes great personal courage to let yourself appear weak. That you don't have to hit somebody even if you really, really want to. <laughs> don't do a hit. Don't do a hit. That no single individual moment is in and of itself unendurable that nobody who's ever gotten sufficiently addictively enslaved by a substance to need to quit the substance and has su- successfully quit it for a while and been straight and then but has for whatever reason gone back and picked up the substance again has ever reported being glad they did it <laughs> used the substance again and gotten re-enslaved not ever that bit is a metro Boston street term for a jail sentence as in Don G was up in Balerica on a six month bit That it's impossible to kill fleas by hand. That it's possible to smoke so many cigarettes that you get little white ulcerations on your tongue. That the effects of too many cups of coffee are in no way pleasant or intoxicating. That pretty much everybody masturbates. Rather a lot, it turns out. That the cliche, I don't know who I am, unfortunately turns out to be more than a cliche. That it costs $330 US to get a passport and a phony name. That other people can often see things about you that you yourself cannot see, even if those people are stupid. That you can obtain a major credit card with a phony name for $1,500 U.S., but that no one will give you a straight answer about whether this price includes a verifiable credit history and line of credit for when the cashier slides the phony card through the register's little verification modem with all sorts of burly security guards standing around. That having a lot of money does not immunize people, immunize people from suffering or fear. That trying to dance sober is a whole different kettle of fish. That the term VIG is street argo for the bookmaker's commission. Bookmaker. Is that what bookie stands for? Yeah. Oh, I'm so stupid. The bookmaker's commission on an illegal bet, usually 10%, that's either subtracted from your winnings or added to your debt. That certain sincerely devout and spiritually advanced people believe that the god of their understanding helps them find parking places and (laughs) gives them advice on mass lottery numbers. That cockroaches can, up to a certain point, be lived with. That acceptance is usually more a matter of fatigue than anything else. (laughs) That different people have radically different ideas of basic personal hygiene. That, perversely, it is often more fun to want something than to have it. Heard that. That if you do something nice for somebody in secret anonymously, without letting the person know you did it for or did it for, know it was you or anybody else know what it was you did, or in any way or form trying to get credit for it, it's almost its own form of intoxicating buzz. That anonymous generosity too can be abused. That having sex with someone you do not care for feels lonelier than not having sex in the first place afterward. That it is permissible to want that everybody is identical in their secret unspoken belief that way deep down they are different from everyone else, that this isn't necessarily perverse, that there might not be angels, but there are people who might as well be angels, that God, unless you're Charlton Heston or Unhinged or both, speaks and acts entirely through the vehicle of human beings if there is a God. Interesting.
0: That, a lot of good musings in here.
1: Yeah, these are some real uh, real uh, fortune cookie fortunes. Uh,
0: <laughs> I would love to get any one of these in a fortune cookie. Can you
1: imagine? That God might regard the issue of whether you believe there's a God or uh, not as fairly low uh, on his slash her slash its list of things she slash he slash its interested in, re, you. That the smell of athlete's foot is sick sweet versus the oh. smell of podiatric dry rot is sick oh. sour. That a person, one with the disease, slash ease, will do things under the influence of substances that he simply would not ever do sober, and that some consequences of these things cannot ever be erased or amended. Uh, which takes us to end note 71. The Boston A.A. slogan, W slash R slash T, this phenomenon is, you can't unring a bell. <laughs> uh, felonies are an example of this. As are tattoos. Almost always gotten on impulse, tattoos are vividly, chillingly permanent. The shop worn, act in haste, repent at leisure, would seem to have been almost custom designed for the case of tattoos. For a while, the new resident, Tiny Yule, got first keenly interested and then weirdly obsessed with people's tattoos, and he started going around to all the residents and outside people who hung around Edit House to help keep things straight, asking to check out their tattoos and wanting to hear about the circumstances surrounding each tattoo. These little spasms of obsession, like first with the exact definition of alcoholic and then with Morris H.'s special Tollhouse cookies cookies (laughs) until the pancreatitis flare, and then with the exact kinds of corners everybody made up their bed with, these were part of the way Tiny E temporarily lost his mind when his enslaving substance was taken away. The tattoo thing started out with Tiny's white-collar amazement at just how many of the folks around Ennett House seemed to have tattoos. And the tattoos seemed like potent symbols of not only whatever they were pictures of, but also of the chilling irrevocability of intoxicated impulses because the whole thing about tattoos is that they're permanent, of course, irrevocable once gotten, which of course the irrevocability of a tattoo is what jacks up the adrenaline of the intoxicated decision to sit down in the chair and actually get it, the tattoo. But the chilling thing about the intoxication is that it seems to make you consider only the adrenaline of the moment itself, not in any depth the irrevocability that produces the adrenaline, It's like the intoxication keeps your tattoo-type class person from being able to project his imagination past the adrenaline of the impulse and even consider the permanent consequences that are producing the buzz of excitement. Tiny Ewell put this same abstract but not very profound idea in a whole number of varied ways over and over obsessively almost and still fail to get any of the tattooed residents interested although bruce green will listen politely and the clinically depressed kate gompert usually won't have yeah usually won't have the juice to get up and walk away when tiny starts in which makes you will seek her out vis-a-vis tattoos though she hasn't got a tattoo (laughs) But they don't have any problem with showing tiny their tats. The residents with tats don't. Unless they're female. And the thing is in some sort of area where there's a, and this is caps, boundary issue. As Tiny Ewell comes to see it, people with tattoos fall under two broad headings. First, there are the younger, scrofulous, boneheaded black t-shirt and spiked bracelet types who do not have the sense to regret the impulsive permanency of their tats and will show them off to you with the same fake, quiet pride which with which someone more of Ewell's own social stratum would show off their collection of dynastic crockery or fine <laughs> sauvignon. Then there are the more numerous and older second types who will show you their tattoos with a sort of stoic regret, albeit tinged with a bit of self-conscious pride about the stoicism uh, that a purple hearted re- veteran displays toward his old wounds scars. Resident Wade McDade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love I love Wade as a first name. It's good. Obviously. Wade Wade.
1: Sorry, I'm drinking my coffee. Uh, <laughs> maybe a baby name. Yeah, baby. Just name. Wade Wade. Wade with a middle name like William Carlos Williams. Yeah, William Carlos Williams. Wade Johnson Wade.
0: Wade Christopher Wade.
1: <laughs> uh Wade Wade McDade has complex nests of blue and red serpents running down the insides of both arms and is required to wear long sleeve shirts every day to his menial job at store twenty-four. Even though the store's heat always loses its mind in the early AM, and it's always wicked motherfucking hot in there. Wicked hot. Because the store's Pakistani manager believes his customers will not wish to purchase Marlboro lights and mass uh, gigabucks lottery tickets from someone with vascular colored snakes writhing all over his arms. Which takes us to EndNote 72. Uh, about which Pakistani manager and his ancestry and ratty little mustache and officious management style McDade has a colorful thing or two to say. Boy. Mm. Back to the book. McDade also has a flaming skull on his left shoulder blade. Cool. Dooney Glynn has the faint remains of a black dotted line tattooed all the way around his neck at about Adam's apple height with instruction manual-like directions for the Safe. removal of his head and, <laughs> and maintenance of the disengaged head tattooed on his scalp from the days of his skinhead youth, which now the tattooed directions take patience and a comb or three of April Cortellew's April barrettes for Tiny to even see. Actually, a couple weeks into the obsession, Ewell Broadens' dermo-taxonomy to include a third category, bikers, of whom there are presently none in Ennit House, but plenty around the area's AA meetings, in beards and leather vests, and apparently having to meet some kind of weight requirement of at least 200 kilos. Bikers is the Metro Boston street term, for them though they themselves they seem to refer to themselves usually as scooter puppies <laughs> a term which you will find out the hard, finds out the hard way non-bikers are not invited to use <laughs> these guys are veritable one man tattoo festivals but when they show them to you they're disconcerting because they'll bear their tats with a complete absence of affect of someone just showing you like a limb or a thumb not quite sure why you want to see or even what it is you're looking at a like NB that uh, you will end up inserting under the heading biker is that every professional tattooist, everybody who can remember getting their tattoos, remembers getting them from, was, from the sound of everybody's general descriptions, a biker. <laughs> w slash R slash T, the stoic regret group within Ennett House, it emerges that the male tattoos with women's names on them tend in their irrevocability to be especially disastrous and regretful given the extremely provisional nature of most addicts' relationships. Bruce Green will have Mildred Bonk on his jilted right triceps forever. Likewise, Mm, a lot of
0: crossovers in this
1: chapter. I know. They're all all joining. Likewise, the Doris in red, dripping Gothic script just below the left breast of Emile Minty, who, yes, apparently did love once. Minty also has a palsied and amateur swastika with the caption, Fuck Niger's on a left biceps he is heartily encouraged to keep covered as a resident. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Chandler Foss has an undulating banner with a redly inscribed Mary on one forearm. Said banner, now mangled and necrotic because Foss, dumped and badly coked out one night, tried to nullify the romantic connotations of the tat by inscribing Blessed Virgin above the Mary with a razor blade and a red bick with predictably ghastly results. Real tattoo artists, you will get this on authority after a white flag group meeting from a biker whose triceps tattoo of a huge disembodied female breast being painfully squeezed by a disembodied hand, which is (laughs) itself tattooed with a disembodied breast and hand, communicates real tattoo credibility as far as Tiny's concerned. Real tat artists are always highly trained professionals. What's sad about the gorgeous violet arrow-pierced heart with Pamela incised in a circle around it on Randy Lenz's right hip is that Lenz has no memory either of the tattoo impulse and procedure or of anybody named Pamela. Charlotte Treat has a small green dragon on her calf and another tattoo on a breast she set a boundary about letting Tiny see. Hester Thrale has an amazingly detailed blue and green tattoo of the planet Earth on her stomach, its poles abutting pubis and breasts, an equatorial view of which cost Tiny Yule two weeks of doing Hester's weekly chore. Overall searing regret honors probably go to Jennifer Belbin, who has four uncoverable black teardrops descending from the corner of one eye, from one night of mescaline and adrenalized grief, so that from more than two meters away, she always looks like she has flies on her, Randy Lenz points out. The new black girl DDN has on the plane of her upper abdomen uh, a tattered screaming skull off the same stencil as McDades but without the flames. That's creepy because it's just a tattered white outline. Black people's tattoos are rare and for reasons you'll regards as fairly obvious, they tend to just be white outlines. Mm. And at House alumnus and volunteer counselor Calvin Thrust is qui- <laughs> quietly <laughs> rumored the name, Calvin It's Thrust. a perfect porn star name. Uh, He's quietly rumored to have on the shaft of his formerly professional porn cartridge performers unit a tattoo that displays the majuscule initials CT when the unit is flaccid and the full name Calvin thrust when hyperemic. about that for a second
0: i'm trying to i don't i don't see how it would work
1: tiny Ewell has soberly elected to let this go unsubstantiated (laughs) alumna and vc uh danielle steenbach once got the bright idea of having eyeliner colored tattoos put around both eyes so she'd never have to again apply eyeliner not banking on the inevitable fade that's over time turned the tattoos a kind of nauseous dark green she now has to constantly apply eyeliner to cover up Current female live-in staffer Jeanette Foltz has undergone two of the six painful procedures required to have the snarling orange and blue tiger removed from her left forearm and so now has a snarling tiger minus a head and one front leg with the ablated parts looking like someone determined had been at her forearm with steel wool. <sighs> Ewell decides this is what gives profundity to the tattoo impulse's profound irrevocability. Having a tat removed means just exchanging one kind of disfigurement for another. There are Tingly and Deal's identical palmate cannabis leaf-on-inner-wrist tattoos, though Tingly and Deal are from opposite shores and never cross paths before entering the house. Nell Gunther refuses to discuss tattoos with Tiny Ewell in any way or form. For a while, Tiny Ewell considers live-in staffer Don Gately's homemade jailhouse tattoos too primitive to even bother asking about. He'd made a true pest of himself, though, Ewell did, when at the height of the obsession, this one synthetic narc-addicted kid came in who refused to be called anything but his street name, Skull, and lasted (laughs) only like four days, but who'd been a walking exhibition of high-regret ink, both both arms tattooed with spiderwebs at the elbows... Or his fishy white chest. Doesn't Seth Rogen have a spiderweb elbow?
0: Not Seth Rogen. Um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Sorry. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, on his fishy white chest, a naked lady with the same kind of over lush measurements Yule remembered from the pinball machines of his Watertown childhood. <laughs> she looks like a damn pinball model. <laughs> On Skull's back, a half-meter-long skeleton in a black robe and cowl, playing the violin in the wind (laughs) on a crag with the dead in maroon on a vertical... Gonfalonish banner unfurling below sounds kind of dope. Yeah, on one biceps either an ice pick or a mucronate dagger, and down both forearms a kind of Saint Vitus's dance of leather-winged dragons. With the words on both forearms, "How do you lick your blue-eyed boy now, Mister Death?" Question mark exclamation point. Death spelled D E T H. The typos of which Tiny felt only served to heighten Skull's whole general tet tat gestalt intended effect which Tiny presumed was primarily to repel <laughs> uh in- dope in fact, Tiny E's whole displacement of obsession from bunks hospital corners to people's tattoos was probably courtesy of this kid's skull, who on his second night in the newer male residence five-man room had shed his electrified muscle shirt and was showing off his tattoos in a boneheaded, regretless first-category fashion to Ken Erdedy, while R. Lens did handstands against the closet door in his jockstrap and Ewell and Jeffrey D. had their wallet's credit cards spread out on Ewell's drum-tight bunk and were trying to settle a kind of admittedly childish argument about who had the more prestigious credit cards. (laughs) Skull flexing his pectorals to make the overdeveloped woman on his chest writhe, reading his forearms to Erdetti, etc., and Jeffrey Day had looked up from his Amex, gold, to Ewell's platinum, and shaken his moist, pale head at Ewell, and asked rhetorically, what had ever happened to good old traditional U.S. tattoos, like mom, or an anchor, which for some reason touched up off a small obsessive explosion in Ewell's detox-frazzled psyche? Probably the most poignant items in Ewell's survey are the much-faded tattoos of old boston aa guys who have been sober in the fellowship for decades the crocodilic elder statesmen of the white flag and alston groups and the saint column Kill sunday night group and ewell's chosen home group wednesday night's better late than never group non-smoking at saint elizabeth's hospital just two blocks down from the house There is something queerly poignant about a deeply faded tattoo. A poignancy something along the lines of coming up upon the tiny and poignantly unfashionable clothes of a child long since grown up in an attic trunk somewhere. The clothes, not the grown child, you old (laughs) confirmed for G-Day. C.E.G. White Flags Cantankerous Old Francis. Ferocious Francis Gehaney's right forearm's tat of a martini glass with a naked lady sitting in the glass with her legs kicking up over the broad flaring rim.
0: I know. I know the image.
1: With an old-style Rita Hayworth-era bangs-intensive hairstyle.
0: Bangs-intensive.
1: Faded to a kind of underwater blue, its incidental black lines gone soot green and the red of the uh, lips-slash-nails-slash-subic-bay-62-USN-4-07, not lightened to pink but more like decayed to the dusty red of fire through much smoke. All these old, sober, Boston blue-collar men's irrevocable tattoos, fading almost observably under the low-budget fluorescence of church basements and hospital auditoria. You will watched and charted and cross reference them, moved. Any good num- any number of good old U.S.N. anchors and an Irish Boston sooty green shamrocks and several little frozen tableaus of little khaki figures in G.I. helmets plunging bayonets into the stomachs of hideous urine yellow bucktooth Oriental caricatures and screaming eagles with their claws faded blunt and semper fi semper fi semper fi. Uh, all autolized to the point where the tattoos look like they're just under the surface of a murky type pond a tall silent hard looking old black-haired uh, bltn group veteran has the terse and hateful single word pussy in what's <laughs> faded to pond scum green down one liver spotted forearm but yet, the fellow transcends even stoic regret by dressing and carrying himself as if the word simply wasn't there or was so irrevocably there that there was no point even thinking about it. There's a deep and tremendous compelling dignity about the old man's demeanor with slash regarding slash to the pussy on his arm. And Ewell will actually consider approaching this fellow re the issue of sponsorship if and when he feels it's appropriate to get an AA sponsor if he's decided it's germane in his case. Near the conclusion of this two-month obsession, Tiny Ewell approaches Don Gately on the subject of whether the jailhouse tattoo should maybe comprise a whole separate phylum of tattoo. Ewell's personal feeling is that jailhouse tattoos aren't poignant so much as grotesque, that they seem like they weren't a matter of impulsive decoration or self-presentation so much as simple self-mutilation arising out of boredom and general disregard for one's own body and the aesthetics of decoration. Don Gately's developed the habit of staring coolly at Ewell until the little attorney shuts up, though this is partly to disguise the fact that Gately usually can't follow what Ewell's saying and is unsure whether this is because he's not smart or educated enough to understand Ewell or because Ewell is simply out of his fucking mind don gately tells you how your basic type tattoo jailhouse tat is homemade with sewing needles from the jailhouse canteen and some blue ink from the cartridge of a fountain pen promoted from the breast pocket of an unalert public defender is why the jailhouse genre is always the same night sky blue the needle is dipped in the ink and jabbed as deep into the tattooe as it can be jabbed without making him recoil and fucking up your aim Just a plain, ultra-minimal blue square like Gately's got on his right wrist takes half a day and hundreds of individual jabs. How come the lines are never quite straight and the color's never quite all the way solid is it's impossible to get all the individualized punctures down to the same uniform deepness in the, like, twitching flesh. This is why jailhouse tats always look like they were done by sadistic children on rainy afternoons. Gately has a blue square on his right wrist and a sloppy cross on the inside of his mammoth left forearm. He had done the square himself, and a cellmate had done the cross in return for Gately doing a cross on the cellmate. Oral narcotics render the process both less painful and less tedious. The sewing needle is sterilized in grain alcohol, which Gately explains that the alcohol is got by taking mess hall fruit and mashing it up and adding water and secreting the whole mess in a Ziploc just inside the flush hole thing of the cell's toilet to like like, foment. (laughs) (laughs) The sterilizing results of this can be consumed as well bonded liquor and cocaine are the only things hard to get inside of uh, mdc penal institutions because the expensive then gets everyone all excited and it's only a matter of time before someone goes and eats cheese the inexpensive civ oral narcotic talwin can be traded for cigarettes however which can in turn be got at the canteen or one at cribbage and dominoes mdc re- uh, regs prohibit straight out cards or gotten mass quantities off smaller inmates in return for protection from the romantic advances of larger inmates. Gately is right-handed, and his arms are roughly the size of Tiny Yule's legs. His wrist, jailhouse square is canted and has sloppy extra blobs at three of the corners. Your average jailhouse tat can, can't be removed even with laser surgery because it's incised so deep in. Gately is polite about Tiny Ewell's inquiries, but not expansive, i.e. Tiny has to ask very specific questions about whatever he wishes to know and then gets a short, specific answer from Gately to just that question. Then Gately stares at him, a habit Ewell tends to complain about at some length up in the five-man room. His interest in tattoos seems to be regarded by Gately, not as invasive, but as the temporary obsession of a still quivering, substanceless psyche that in a couple of weeks will have forgot all about tattoos, an attitude you will find condescending in the extremists. (laughs) Gately's attitude toward his own primitive tattoos is a second category attitude, with most of the stoicism and acceptance of his tat regret sincere, if only because these irrevocable emblems of jail are minor rung bells compared to some of the fucked up and really irrevocable impulsive mistakes Gately made as an active drug addict and burglar, not to mention their consequences, the mistakes, which Gately's trying to accept. He'll be paying off for a real long time. (sighs) A lot, of, uh, a lot of nuggets in this.
0: Yes, a lot of nuggets, a lot of wisdom, and then a lot of tattoo talk.
1: What, what year does this edit house stuff take it, place in? Um, I mean, the year the dependent adult undergarment well, is like is. So mostly. D- did the
0: fucking um, murder that Gately did accidentally take place like a significant amount of time ago?
1: Let me try to square that. He did the murder.
0: Because he would have had to do the murder get caught, do time. He, did, go not, to re- go he to re- did not
1: get caught for the murder. Oh, he doesn't get caught. So he, he, to- he the last bit he did was that DA, the one he got the revenge on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, or actually, no. Okay. So here, here's the thing here. Here's he, he did a couple of jail stints, but the one he went to jail for was, uh, a uh, that vicious ADA. Right. Yeah. And sent him away for, uh, you know, like two years for nothing. Basically, mm-hmm. he got revenge on the ADA by shoving the toothbrush up his asshole. Okay. The ADA then with is has sworn revenge. Right. Okay. Sometime after that, he murders um the Quebecois uh, guy. Yeah, the Quebecois guy. Accidentally. Accidentally, he got a he left
0: because the because the guy has a cold.
1: But you might wonder maybe if the ADA is maybe looking for Don.
0: Sure, but in the meantime, he has. Ch- he's, he has himself into a full program of rehab and stayed so long to become a rehab counselor.
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just so that's kind of like the shadow that he's got in the back of his mind as he's working at um, at house and, house. and, and house, trying to stay sober. And
0: re- Drug and alcohol rehabilitation house.
1: And a house drug and alcohol recovery house.
0: Recovery <laughs> house. Uh, yeah. So that's just clearing up uh, Gately's timeline. Uh, tattoos. What do we what do we think about them?
1: I think the attitude it was clearly different. I think tattoos became incredibly popular in the like '90s. right? I would love
0: to see some statistics on this because Me too. I think I think it like the taboo of the casual tattoo uh, <coughs> wearer was like crossed in the '90s, and I, I think it's become ex- exponentially popular in the last I would say fifteen years.
1: I knew I knew like when I was in school as a young person i had the idea in my head that if you got a visible tattoo that uh, precluded you from, from a certain like kind getting of job. A job like being and a lawyer and now i see teachers with visible tattoos yes city which, councilman city councilman yeah uh
0: st- stuff like that yeah i i think at probably around the time that he's writing this that that t- taboo was being broken but it was still strong enough that you're like parent for example, would say, no, you getting a tattoo means you would not be allowed to be, say, a doctor. Yes. Right. Exactly. Which is hilarious to think of. I mean, I guess it would. It's all in like employment. And I mean, I don't know how doctors work. I guess you do have to. Isn't doctor employment basically wrapped up in the finishing the process of the education of a doctor? Like do you yeah. feel like do a job interview or do you just like move from residency to like being a doctor? You get
1: pl- you generally get placed placed. Yeah. it And it's it is a function somewhat of your school at a certain yeah. point. But then if you I think doctor for a while and yeah. you want to move, then you just look for a doctor job.
0: Yeah, I guess it is just like I, I don't know. I, I don't know when that critical tattoo mass would be uh, gotten because I, I, I'm just trying to think of like a normal type job, like a bank teller or something. I do you know if, if you had like a hand tattoo in the 90s. I can't imagine that it might be difficult to get yeah. like, a bank teller job. But at a certain point, so many people have tattoos that it's just like, who, who gives a shit? Unless you have, for example, the word pussy.
1: <laughs> right that the nature of the tattoo is <laughs> also important i will say like f- i think face tattoos and to a certain degree neck yeah. tattoos are pre- do preclude unless you from- it's like
0: unless it's like a cute like brunch girl tattoo like a little
1: swallow <laughs> like a cute little swallow on your neck well that's the thing back of the neck for for like white ladies is so popular and yeah. it always says something like breathe or peace <laughs> so uh Solace. so according to the internet um in twenty nineteen in twenty nineteen, thirty percent of Americans said they had at least one tattoo, which is an increase from twenty one percent in two thousand twelve. So I think I mean, it's I huge, think it's just been regularly increasing yeah. over time. But I do think in the mid nineties, especially the kind of tattoos that he's talking about, not super socially acceptable.
0: Yeah. I mean the, and these are and he is specifically talking about uh like uh, dr- drug people tattoos, which sure. I as he is describing is a category onto its
1: own. Mm-hmm. Um some weird like there's some weird racial stuff in that and I get what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes he's trying to just like point at a race thing and be like I'm aware, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm trying to figure out like what what the end game is of like for example like being like black people are racist too. Like it's stuff yeah, like that where I'm just like I'm not I don't know. I'm yeah, I'm sure. side-eyeing it right now. A, a little. I mean, yes,
0: I would also say like I get I guess the uh the the idea is is that he is writing from the perspective of of guys who would be in a kind of scum, scummy rehab center in, in Metro Boston, and he's
1: writing from the perspective, I would say, of a of a like an intelligent, like middle class white guy, right? Right. Because some of the stuff he's saying, like that, stupid people can still teach you something. Yes. Like he's writing specifically from the perspective of maybe someone who wouldn't necessarily expect to end up in a halfway house with people of different mm-hmm. like racial backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds. Yes. So I get that, and I in that way, I do think it is it's useful as a literary device, but. I don't know. It, it just feel, it feels weird. It just feels weird and awkward. Yeah. I don't know, and but is that just that me feeling he, weird and awkward?
0: He keeps doing, uh, like, sidestepping the N-word by saying uh, Niger, Niger mm-hmm. which he's done twice now, I believe.
1: Yeah. He has not spelled it's, it out fully.
0: I mean, I don't want to get too into gossipy, but it reminds me of a of certain someone who, in my uh, larger professional world, uh, who recently uh, got shit canned.
1: Spill the tea, babe. Or... <laughs>
0: uh being unable to not question why can't white guys say the word obsession obsession
1: uh, like tiny tattoos not that he has yeah. um not you, you know not that he he's got an addiction c- but a certain
0: proclivity of just like you be ab- obsessing about it
1: which maybe i mean he okay like let's let's connect that those dots is so is that just is that guy that you knew in your professional realm mm-hmm. is is that just the same impulse that, like, a Tiny Ewell has in terms of trying to relate to people. Like, of just being, like, having this forbidden thing, like, the forbidden (laughs) word. And it drives some people crazy. Yes. And I feel like maybe David Foster Wallace is, like, poking that bruise a little bit. Poking it
0: a little bit. And I think it also is, I mean, we'll see, I'll see where this goes. But, you know, guys like... David Foster Walls sometimes feeling like maybe I can be clever enough to get away with it.
1: Yeah. Which like, also
0: which also feels weird.
1: To to engage in like to engage in, in like racist language without like being complicit, mm-hmm. which I like don't even know if you can do because I the other perspective is is like I'm obviously reading this book as like an educated white person and like that has been like the drag on infinite just a bit right it's yeah. like it's like the it's you know for the the college grad i don't need a regular grad in a college grad uh <laughs> but just the idea that like um th- th- i would be alienating to read this as a as a non-white person don't you agree
0: maybe i, 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 I don't cannot answer that question I,
1: I would be curious to and maybe i'll dig up some some you know testimonials on the old subreddit or whatever yeah. but like i don't it, it would feel it, I, I don't know it, i think it would be hard to read as maybe a, a person of color and be like okay this isn't for me this is for white people i don't yeah, know
0: i don't know I, I cannot i cannot speak to that
1: uh, it's it's complicated yeah i it, meryl, like, meryl streep alec baldwin it's
0: complicated call me meryl streep alec <laughs> baldwin because it's complicated uh i like even though it does make me shudder, he's very good at being very gross.
1: He's very gross and in a very, like, analytical way that kind of makes yeah. it grosser. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, all the scatological stuff. The scatological
0: and, stuff. The stuff about, like, the razor blade and Sharpie tattoo. Like, oh
1: Yeah, the twi- twitching flesh.
0: Yeah, he's good at making your skin crawl with those very visceral des- descriptions, which yeah. I think is good. That's, like, I mean, that's the, the, the thing that I would say about this is it's a very good, like, high-low thing where it's Mm -hmm. like it can be very stupid and very gross Mm -hmm. as as it shares Ooh, duck boat still watching (laughs) (laughs) still watching boston (laughs) videos uh while while having you know this this very literary sheen to it Mm -hmm. which is good i think that stuff makes it more uh acceptable yeah i've also i kind of like keep thinking about chuck polaniac where uh, when i'm reading this Mm -hmm. i feel like they're very similar even if you know um you know, maybe David Foster Wallace is like grad school Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> the
1: I mean, I I it evokes Fight Club, right? Yeah, it does. The, I, the, I the mean, the person seemed, who's like, addicted to going to twelve step groups. Yeah,
0: it has, and I think that there's also like very like '90s.
1: What year was Fight Club?
0: Uh I bet they b- were the books were published like around the same time. Like I think the book was published like '94, '95, mm-hmm. something like that. Um if it, if it, and you're you're just calling out the prozac thing made me think about like all these like nineties like like clever people obsessions, the very busters-y, like post consumerist like everybody's on antidepressants uh you know we're all w- what is society but a giant twelve step program for <laughs> society i don't know
1: right L- life
0: how about this uh g- get get this life is just a twelve step pro- program for society <laughs> or you or could go backwards society's just a 12 step program for life
1: i remember that in espresso are they on um are they on the fancy shopping street on there? Is this boylston street i guess Ha-ha. i mean there's
0: the B- bacari shop B- B- Bulgari.
1: Bulgari. yeah that's got to be boylston.
0: boylston boylston we're going down the boylston it's to a very classy B- shopping street
1: it's very fucking classy
0: it's very fucking classy
1: um I, yeah the that the yeah, the 90s thing of like and end of history mm-hmm. what's what's your last who's the last boss your own brain your own
0: brain yes You're thinking the final boss you have
1: got like every convenience right yeah, like I am. you know you, you can get coffee at starbucks you got your prozac to like help deal like what like what is the last f- your the it's final just frontier. Your, you and, and it's, your thoughts and
0: it's completely and it also is like that hyper individualist where like the 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 biggest thing to defeat yeah is not like the brain of society but your own individual you have to you have to go fight your fight your brain
1: you have to fight your brain and he's depicting these people who are both at the tennis academy and at the rehab just literally waking up and fighting their br- like they're doing battle between their brains and their bodies every goddamn day yeah. but you know what the the white walkers in this situation <laughs> are you know what's co- you know what's coming to take everyone away 9/11? entertainment uh, man uh, entertainment. entertainment that's what he he's saying that th- these are both very pure expressions the tennis and the substance abuse of fighting your own brain but what will come and let it wash away is it's just, just the just increase of like yeah. technology it's, and entertainment the
0: infinite jest and w-
1: what happened after the fucking 90s man 9/11? rise 911 so- but then the rise of social media
0: that's true the endless scroll the m-
1: the m- most narcotizing experience of all
0: i still think that uh the I still algorithm l- bro i still like <laughs> the idea that uh david foster wallace lived long enough to s- to log on to twitter exactly once and then just killed himself.
1: <laughs> it's like all right <laughs> that's it
0: i hope i'm not being oh too
1: newberry f- street not Boylston. i hope newberry. i'm
0: not being too flippant about uh david foster wallace's suicide i i do think can i say this i do think it is kind of funny given his entire life and i think that he would agree
1: <laughs> yeah i don't it's it's hard to say. like I, I think that is it i don't know it's it's interesting i can see how for certain people it would be you know devastating because that's the other thing is like he's mm. writing about this thing of like trying to get through the unendurable moments right yeah. and like he at the end of the day he basically like decided that he couldn't and yeah. that i don't know that's I don't want to say that's fair. I I, I tend to have a more um, <laughs> yep. libertarian attitude towards suicide to a certain sure. degree. I don't know if I want to put put these views on tape, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm c- gonna commit to not editing this. So. <laughs> I we, mean, don't, we don't have please to. Please tell into us it. if
0: we should have put, pump the brakes on the on this. But yeah, um,
1: no, it's I don't know. I th- I I think he was. You know, every everyone in, in Westeros, sorry, we're doing a Game of Thrones re- re-watch so I can't help myself, but everyone's in Westeros squab- squabbling over the Iron Throne, and meanwhile, the White Walkers are coming to wreck everything.
0: You're a bunch of pigeons fighting over French fries. <laughs> uh, uh, yay. Molly, there is a podcast that is currently active called Baywatch Watch. Okay. That is just a, a Baywatch Watch
1: okay. <laughs> podcast. They're watching through the whole thing? Uh, yes.
0: Yes. Uh, what are
1: their cre- what are their credentials?
0: Uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> what are they, their bona fides, man? They're just, uh, they appear to just be uh, some folks. OK. Would uh, you think it would be inappropriate to cold email them and be like, look, we're fellow podcasters. Please have us on your Baywatch podcast. We've, we've been watching <laughs> a lot of Baywatch and we we like thinking about it and we want to talk about it.
1: Yeah, and I would, I would, I would appreciate having the structure of someone else going through it. You know? Yeah,
0: I don't want to, I don't want to start a Baywatch podcast, but I desperately want to be on somebody's. Oh my god, some of these episodes are two, two and a half hours long. They go deep.
1: Wow, they're they're taking the one fifty five approach. Yeah,
0: It says come get wet. Their description says come get wet with us, which I believe, <laughs> which I am taking in a very like, uh, um, uh, uh who is who's the guy who shot Ronald Reagan?
1: I can't I, I, I can't remember Sorry. anyway one of
0: those like 70s unhinged assassins guys is a, a direct message to me to email them and tell and ask to be on their podcast
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh. <laughs> uh, which is not encouragement to anyone who is listening to email me to ask to be on the podcast please do not do that oh.
1: <laughs> pitch posh
0: uh anyway
1: no one's clamoring to be on this podcast
0: <laughs> um let's see uh anything else that we want to talk about
1: that's it for me that's That's it it. for me
0: for now uh oh look the indochino of boylston street (laughs) (laughs) it is weird watching these boston videos that look like they were shot maybe like 2019 or something where it's just like no one's wearing a mask like hanging out and like talking and like doing stuff just like the world is normal and like disaster isn't looming imminently
1: yeah that's weird that's gonna be weird for some time yeah that's why i'm like any uh, any show or whatever that's like including COVID in like the plot lines. I'm just like, stop it. Stop it. We don't want to stop. see that. Stop it.
0: Get some help. Get some help. Uh yeah. Just just, just skip it. Just skip it. Skip it. Right. Ro- skip it, mate. <laughs> uh all right. Now I'm just I'm procrastinating. All okay. right. Bye. Bye. See you next week.